Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everyone to our first Ohio State podcast. We have to find a better name for this. We have to find, I was thinking maybe the gym shorts podcast because Ari is wearing gym shorts. Doug Maurice. <laughs> Ari Wasserman, Bill Landis here from Cleveland.com, the Northeast Ohio Media Group. We we used to do videos where we had to wear sports coats, sports coats. And Ari, tell the people what you're wearing right now. In fairness, we're in my living room, so it's my home base. So we're in the studio. We're in the studio. Uh, got some good ambiance in here. Um, I'm wearing a hoodie with no undershirt, gym shorts, socks, and flip-flop sandals and feeling real, real good about it. So we had a meeting in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, and Ari wore gym shorts <laughs> to the office, potentially to meet with one of our big bosses. And I had a problem with that, but I'm old. Bill, it, was I off base there? What is the correct gym shorts usage in the modern world? Yeah, I think I kind of led Ari down the wrong path there because we, we drove up together and I got in the car and saw that he was wearing gym shorts and thought it was strange but didn't say anything because I just assumed. Hey, I asked, okay. Let's not act like I'm not. He had pants in the trunk of his car that he could put on once we got there. So, uh, no, I don't think you're off base on that. I was well, definitely in the same Let's mode. also <laughs> clarify that when we got up there that I was for – it's my own fault, but I was unaware that we were going to meet with the big boss. I thought we were meeting with our intermediate boss that we all have a very good But it was with. still in the office. It was still in the yeah. office. I think maybe the answer is just to have a pair of pants in your yeah. trunk. I have, okay, times. I always have a pair of pants in my trunk. But then Doug says, you can wear gym shorts to Urban Meyer interviews because he's wearing gym shorts. When he's wearing shorts. When, yeah. Not like press conferences, but like on Wednesday afternoons when he becomes available for five minutes or ten minutes and we just walk around him. So... Fine. From now on, I'm going to go by the, the Doug dress code. I'm wearing yeah. gym shorts to every Wednesday practice you from now match, on. You match your attire to the people that you're interviewing. They're and also Jordan gym shorts, so that kind of brings up the notch a little bit. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh shorts. would like that. We will talk uh, some football on this podcast. We will talk um, some other things, but Ohio State does have a big game at Virginia Tech on Monday night. And I would like us to rate some things on a scale of 1 to 1,000 as we go into this game. Bill and Ari, how interested are you to see what Braxton Miller is going to do? Like, are you super intrigued by this? Can you not believe that the two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year as a quarterback is playing receiver, or is it not a big deal? 1 to 1,000, Bill. Is 1,000 overkill? Can I say 1,000? You can is say 1,000. I think 1,000 would be disingenuous, so I'll say 999. Uh, I'm very intrigued. I think this is going to be very interesting to see. I'm not, I guess, beyond whether or not he's actually or how much he's going to play because we don't know that. 
But when he gets the ball in his hands, I mean, you guys have seen him more than I have in person, but when he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric, and he's going to be the best player on the field almost every week, uh, no matter who Ohio State's playing. So I'm very intrigued to see uh, to see what Braxton does with the ball in his hand, to see how they use him. Is he just going to be a guy who takes jet sweeps all the time? Is he actually going to line up in the slot and go across the middle? Is he going to be the deep ball guy? There's a lot of options there. Is, is he so electric, though, like he's just going to get the ball and just juke past everybody on every play? Like we saw him do that as a quarterback, but isn't that more difficult to do at H-back or receiver or other guys would do it too? There aren't guys who, who run 70 yards every time they get the ball in college football. This is why mine is 500 hmm. because I am more excited to see him as a punt returner than I really am to see him in the offense. I, I know that everybody thinks he's going to be this dynamic, amazing playmaker, but I want to see him get off a, blo- off a jam at the line of scrimmage. I want to see him catch a pass over the middle and do a hit. I mean, like when he was quarterback, he had the opportunity to catch the ball and had a little bit of room to try to make somebody miss. I just feel like it's harder to get the ball in space when you're not the quarterback. So I personally think that he's going to be a solid player for them. I don't think he's going to be a dynamic, game-breaking, Percy Harvin-type player just learning the position. He's been playing this position for a month, maybe tops, three weeks in full pads, and I think there were a few days there where they kind of held him out for precautionary reasons. So I don't really know how seasoned of a player he's going to be. I know he's athletic. I know he's fast. I know he's hard to tackle. But how is he going to really change the game without that much experience in the position? So that's why I'm at 500. Now, I'm going to preface this by what I've been saying for a decade on this beat, which is I don't really understand football. (laughs) But when you are the quarterback, like we always make a big deal out of it. Like, oh, does the other team have a spy on you? Like if they actually have a defender accounting for the quarterback, that's like a big deal. The rest of the time, the read option, the read option is all about like getting a defensive end to bite one way or the other, right? So that the guy who ends up with the ball doesn't have someone right on top of him. And when you scramble, the whole deal is that like there's not a guy designed to stop you right there. I know they're coming on a pass rush, but but they are going to be defenders who are designed to stop Braxton Miller. So I know they're going to throw him a bubble screen. I know they're going to have receivers out there blocking for him. But I think I think it's actually going to be more difficult to get out in space than it was when he dropped back to pass, made one spin move, and all of a sudden the whole secondary is downfield covering other receivers, and there's no one in the middle of the field, and guess what? He ran for 50 yards. I think we need to stop thinking about him as a receiver. I think what the Braxton Miller that we're going to see is going to be the Braxton Miller that receives the shovel pass, or the one that shifts into the backfield and is a pitch man on a, on a, on a, play, uh, on a running play. I don't necessarily think it's fair to assume that he's going to run down the field 15 yards, hesitate, cut right, and catch a slant over the middle. I, I don't think that we're going to we, – maybe we see that, but that won't be for the second half of the year. I think bubble screens, option plays, plays that are simple for him to you know execute, catch a ball, and start running is what they're going to start with. And, and I, I just – that's the way I'm envisioning All right, things. touches. How many times is he going to touch the ball as an offensive player? Monday. Dead air. That was dead air. He was really thinking yeah. hard, though, Bill. Yeah, Bill took a deep breath. Um, I like the ponder. Things. I think four. I'll say seven. I think four is low. I, I You know, the, the thing that throws the wrench in it is the suspensions because right. someone's going to have to be effective at H-back, and it's either going to be Braxton Miller or Curtis Samuel. You know, they, they have to get that involved in this offense. You know, because we know Michael Thomas, as Bill wrote this week, is going to be dealing with Kendall, Kendall Fuller, Fuller, who maybe is the best cornerback in the country. We know there are questions at the other receiver spot. They might hand it to Ezekiel Elliott 50 times. They yeah. might hand it to Ezekiel Elliott 50 times in every game. But I do think they need the H involved. 
The H touched it about seven times per game last year between Jalen Marshall and Dontre Wilson. So I'm going to say seven, and I and I for Braxton, and and I think there's a chance for more, but I also think there's a chance for a thing or two to go wrong in those touches. The H back touched the ball seven times per game last year, and those were some pretty good. They were good. Players. So I think four is right on the money because that's a little bit more than half. And let's be honest, I'm a gun to your head, guys. If I said, who's the better H-back right now, would you say Curtis Samuel or Braxton? Well, but, but Curtis Samuel only has been playing it since the spring. He was Curtis Samuel's arm is completely healthy. I don't know he if runs, the shoulder factors in to no, the H-back I think at if, all. If you're concerned mind. about Braxton playing H-back is whether or not he can run the routes, then why aren't those the same concerns you'd have with Curtis Samuel? Well, because I, part of me is I don't – I'm sure he has to be careful with his arm. I don't think he does. You don't think that when somebody's jamming him at the line of scrimmage that that has anything to do with it? I mean, they don't, I think they, they, gonna, they, don't, they don't beat you to death at the line. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like even if it's not as involved as him throwing it, I still think that there are certain aspects of hesitation and certain things that he's going to have to fight through to get through that injury because the guy hasn't played contact football and now going on two years, and now he's playing a very physical position in my opinion. I do so. think hesitation is a thing. I think his hesitation might come from the fact more, though, not the injury, but from the fact he played one position his whole life. He didn't have to think. He just went. He knew what to do. He had those instincts. I don't know that he has all those instincts at receiver right now for Monday. Yeah, that was, I mean, not, I mean, the Scarlet and Gray Day show that has been following Ohio State around, I think one of the most interesting things that's been in that show was Braxton running a route in the first episode, and he almost allows Eric Smith to pick the ball off because Urban Meyer tells him you were thinking too much. Just go right. out and play, and yeah, that's a difficult thing to do when it's a new position. Have you guys seen yourself on the the Scarlet and Gray Days at all? Have yeah, we I been on there? So fat. The yeah. First God, we look. I threw. I had horizontal stripes on, and I threw that shirt away after that episode. <laughs> well, there was that one. Well, first of all, it, my first shot was of them walking into the hotel in the first episode, and it was me with my iPhone up, like taking pictures of guys walking in. So I was the dude on television taking pictures of 16 and 17-year-old boys as they walk into a hotel room. <laughs> 16. No, I know. That's I'm just saying it's like, recruiting. No, I just felt, yeah, recruiting, I don't know. It just seemed weird that, you know, the people who I know saw the show and were like, hey, sweet iPhone, bro. <laughs> and I was like, great. That that's, is, that's what I wanted to be. That that's is always our, our biggest paparazzi moment yeah. of the year is when they check into the hotel. There's a photo of me from a couple years ago hiding in the bushes as Terrell Pryor walked into the hotel. Weirdo. I was like, why yeah. was that necessary? I don't understand why you did that to this day. It was one of the strangest experiences of my life, was doing that. But people love, do people love photos from checking yeah, in? I mean, people love photos from checking We give the people yeah. what they want. It doesn't mean that we're comfortable doing it. I don't, do they, do they want a podcast, though? We're ten minutes in. Do they want this? Are we sure we're giving them what they want? Podcast? Yeah. What my they voice want? is about as close to Miles Davis jazz as you can get. All right. Scale of one to a thousand. You don't even know who Miles Davis is. <laughs> okay. Scale of one to a thousand. What is your um, belief that Virginia Tech can win this game? Not will win, but has the ability to win this game. It's a thinker over here again. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna jump in. I didn't even give a number on the last one, but oh, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say uh, 400 on this okay. one, and. Um, I think a lot of things this year are going to be when Ohio State is at its best, you know, they're just going to have a talent edge. Even against Michigan State, they're going to have a talent edge the whole year. When Ohio State's at its best, I don't think anyone's going to play with them. We know they're not at their best because they don't have Joey Bosa, they don't have Jalen Marshall. I'm intrigued to see what the defense does from the Virginia Tech side. I, mean, I don't believe that Bud Foster is going to do the exact same thing he did last year. I do believe it's easier for Ohio State to prepare because they don't have Navy the week before. They can focus all their energy on Virginia Tech. 
But the defense for Virginia Tech, I think, what do I know? I think it might be not just good, but very good. And if it's very good and Ohio State is missing guys at receiver, I think Virginia Tech at home in that environment has at least a a chance to win the game. Can we explain to these people why you do a 1,000 and not 100 or 10? Well, I think the 1,000 gives you more wiggle room. You but know, you said 400. 400. So you didn't use it. Say 401. So well, here's, a, here's like 400 is 4 and 40. I usually use it with my daughters. And like my 8-year-old, is everything is 1,000, which is wonderful. She just embraces life. And you can say, how was your trip to Disney World? Or how was walking the dog? And everything is 1,000. So we, we hit the round numbers a lot. It's our first podcast. We'll okay, I'm not going to hit any. I can say what four, did I what say I said the first 412. Time? I'll say 412. Yeah, I would you say 409. You said 400, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I'm going to go 31. 31? 310. Guys, <laughs> it's our first one. Let's just let's work through it together as a team. Um, everything that you said is true. I, I think that Ohio State was in a very vulnerable position against a team that, to me, Virginia Tech probably would be, what, a top five team in the Big Ten? Top four? This year this right year, now? I mean, maybe last year they would have been a top, top three, but I don't think top, any – I just – Last yeah. year, Ezekiel Elliott carried the ball eight or seven times. JT Barrow was making his first home start under the lights. I think that Ohio State's talent gap is so much bigger than probably it was last year because players like Darren Lee are like Darren Lee now. And the offensive line was and the offensive line was last year in compared a bad to what spot. it is now. So personally, I think that – I personally sometimes think that away home field advantage stuff has just played up so much, but they deserve some credit for that. They do get that. Brewer played, I guess, what was the best game of his career last year. Uh, thirty or three hundred and ten, I think, is actually pretty generous for this. You could go lower. I could go lower. I think. Okay. I think that Ohio State. What are they? A twelve point favorite. I think that they could cover that easily. I personally just think, even without Joey Bosa and with some of the suspensions of Jalen Marshall H, Ohio State's talent gap. And we've written stories about you know the way that Virginia Tech used to recruit in comparison to how they're doing it now. I just think Ohio State is leaps and bounds more talented. And at the end of the day, at every single thing you can analyze in college football it's about who has better players and I think just it's not even close my number is 397 um yeah I think around price is right yeah yeah trying to go one yeah a few lower I'm 398 (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think all the points you guys made are right and Virginia Tech to me is just it's all about the defense with Virginia Tech I don't know I mean they have all their offense back I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but they looked okay last year. It's not like they were going up and down the field in Ohio State's defense last year. It was the fact that Ohio State turned the ball over, kept getting sacked, and the defense was out there for, I don't know, 40 of the 60 minutes of the game. Not really, but it felt like that. The defense was on the field the entire game, and I don't see that happening this time around. Um, I think the offense is much better, but Virginia Tech's defense is legit, like you said, Doug. It might end up, I mean, for all we know, it could end up being the best defense they play against this year. Maybe Michigan State will have a say in that, too, and Penn State as well. I think it's one of the best but two, it's, probably, it's, Yeah, right? one of the best two. At the I, very I mean, least. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple NFL guys over there. The secondary and defensive lines are, like, Phil Steele has them ranked as the top four of, of the position groups. But even with all that, I think around 400 or 40% chance or whatever it is you want to call it, I think is, is a good number for Virginia Tech being at home in that environment. To be honest, and we like to keep it real with the people, we don't really know what we're talking about with Virginia Tech, though. So maybe we should try to find someone who actually does know what they're talking about with Virginia Tech. And since I'm the coolest guy on the Ohio State beat and potentially the entire state of Ohio, I have friends in high places. LeBron's cooler. Okay, now you're pushing it. Um, let's invite Andy Bitter, um, Virginia Tech beat writer with the Roanoke Times, in here. We have a few questions for him. 
Um, I'm going to let Doug ask the first one because he's pretty excited about this first podcast. And, um, you know, Andy and I have already had the pleasure of talking, so I'm going to give him a shot. Andy, I uh, interned in Roanoke like 22 years ago. And I used, oh, to really? go, I used to go to the Pizza Hut Buffet for lunch all the time. Do you ever go to the Pizza Hut Buffet in Roanoke? You know, I'm never in Roanoke itself. I'm sort of on Blacksburg all the time, so I don't go in there too often. And when I do, I usually stop at Maxie's because we don't have one in Christiansburg. But uh, I'm sure uh, Randy King and Doug Dowdy have frequented the Pizza Hut buffet quite a bit in their time here. Just so everybody knows, Doug still goes to the Pizza Hut a lot by himself. They know me there. They They know my name. Uh, Andy, how much better is the Virginia Tech team that Ohio State is going to see Monday compared to the Virginia Tech team that beat Ohio State last year? I think that's that's the thing I can't get wrap my head around is it seems like Virginia Tech's better, and they already beat them. How much better is this Virginia Tech team? You know, it's tough to tell because uh, you're talking about a lot of guys coming back from injury, uh, a lot of younger guys growing up here. Uh, you know, Michael Brewer's back for a second year at quarterback. He was kind of learning on the fly last year. Uh, so I think it's a lot of expected improvement that they have. Uh, and certainly in the spring, the offense looked a lot more confident than it did at the end of the year, uh, where they were just kind of uh, completely out of sorts with all the youth and injuries that they had. I think getting those guys back, getting older year, I think that's the reason why a lot of people uh, have a little bit of cautious optimism that this could be the year this offense actually turns the corner. Uh, then you look at the defensive side, I mean, they get Luther Maddy back. He's the guy who was hurt all last year. Brandon Jason, he was hurt all last year. And pretty much everybody else returned from the defense. I think that's why uh, people are saying this could be a top-five defense uh, in the country. So that's where the optimism is, but they haven't really shown down the field. And the way they played at the end of the year, uh, up and down, all throughout the season after they played Ohio State. It was just all over the map. So a lot of uh, predicted outcome here, and I, I'm not really sure exactly what to expect out of them on the field. Andy, uh, you mentioned that this could be a top-five defense Ohio State's facing, and considering that um, Ohio State's going to be missing a few guys like Jalen Marshall and Dontre Wilson for the opener, um, do you think that just based on what you've seen and, and, and what you've you know, you know, been around with the Virginia Tech defense, that this is a team that could match up with Ohio State, maybe more so than anybody else in their schedule in terms of stopping their offense? Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, I think I've seen people say, uh, maybe a couple of Ohio State players said it, some media types said that, you know, after Virginia Tech showed that defense last year, that bare front where they had the five down linemen, uh, Ohio State kind of beat that the rest of the year. I mean, nobody really played as well. But I don't think a lot of teams have the same kind of personnel that Virginia Tech had. And really the strength with the Hokies is that defensive line, that pass rush that they can provide. And they've got defensive backs who are capable of playing on an island. I mean, they almost encourage that. Uh, that's really what they look for in guys who aren't going to shrink from that sort of responsibility, being out there and having to be one-on-one with guys all the time. So uh, they have a pretty good pass rush. They have a pretty good secondary that can cover and can cover one-on-one situations. So I think that's why, uh, personnel-wise, schematically, I think it, it's a pretty good matchup for Virginia Tech. It's weird it is to say something like that. Andy, uh, when we talk about Ohio State, I mean, when we, specifically the playmakers on offense, there's there's no shortage of guys you can talk about. Looking at Virginia Tech's offense, I know they have a lot of guys back, but is there a guy who, when he gets the ball in his hands, can can sort of do crazy things, can 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 change a game with with one big play? Is just a dangerous guy when he gets the ball in his hands. I was reading some things 
um, just kind of during the week, and, and I think his name is Trayvon McMillan was a name that came up as, as maybe a guy who could who could play that role. But when you look at the offense, is there is there a guy you see as a game changer on that side? I think Trayvon is the guy they hope will become that. I think Bucky Hodges, the tight end, is the guy who is that right now. Uh, he had a game-winning touchdown in the Ohio State game last year. That was one of three game-winning touchdowns that he had. Uh, also had one against Duke and had one against Virginia. Uh, they have enough tight ends right now that they really kind of moved him all over the place. He's a tight end. He's a receiver in the slot. He's an H-back. Um, and he's a six foot seven, two 240-pound guy who can run pretty fast and run like a receiver. So they're doing all sorts of things with him just because he brings that sort of versatility to the game. Uh, Trayvon McMill is a guy who came in as a quarterback, and he redshirted last year. But uh, they really like what he can do as a running back. Uh, they think he's got some pass-catching abilities. Uh, I think generally the team there is that the guys that are more versatile with this offense are the ones that maybe could be a little more dangerous. Uh, Bucky has done it in the past. I mean, he's a bona fide playmaker. McMillan's a guy I think they have high hopes for, but nobody's really seen it on the field. I mean, he redshirted all last year. I think they think that he can have that role, but again, hasn't done it on the field yet. Andy, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. I know you are probably uh, pretty busy this week. So, again, thanks so much for taking a few minutes, and um, you know we'll see you on Saturday. Monday. No problem. Monday. Wow, that's weird. Monday. You're right. Okay, thanks, Andy. All right. I, I feel like sneakers recruiting and rap is going to be better than this. That's the podcast that the world is is really waiting for. Shoes. That's that's Nobody the sneakers anymore. What about kicks? Really? Kicks? kicks might be no. Sneakers. Who says sneakers? No one says sneakers. Not, not me. What do you say? I say shoes or kicks. Shoes, shoes but shoes does that imply automatically like a cool person? We could be talking about Cole Hans. I mean, what if somebody was like Josh Perry and wants so, to wear some loafers? But this is gonna be this is gonna be the podcast that's gonna blow this football podcast out of the water when it happens. Them. It's going to because it's gonna be more of me and less of you. But, but are you gonna <laughs> use your like your serious thank you for joining us, Andy? We'll see you next Saturday, voice when you What do should I have said? Shoes? Peace out, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> speak like you speak to the kids when you speak to the recruits. All how, right, how, I, bro. How big is that podcast gonna be? When I think it's gonna be role? awesome. I need to. The thing about it is, is. Um, I have to strategically line up some people who are going to be good at it first because you don't want the first one to be I, I, to I be bad to, like this yeah. one. No, I don't think this, this one's bad. bad. Why do you keep saying it's bad? I, I'm I'm nervous. Well, I don't know what to tell you, bro. Dead air. <laughs> so you think, but you think that has potential, right? Of course. Okay. Anything when are we going to see? It? Has potential. When are we going to see it? <laughs> I think the next few weeks. Within we, the next few weeks. Can Wait, we? Do you want it tomorrow? <laughs> Um, I, I, I got it. Like we gotta like do like maybe a poll. Who would you want to hear from the most? Okay, Tupac. I'd love to talk with Dontre Wilson for about five minutes because that guy's shoe collection, from what I've seen, is pretty extensive. So I don't know if it only has to be recruits. I like to talk about rap and shoes with some of the current players too. It should be just be it could be a big thing. I think it is going to be big. I think this is going to be small. Um, <laughs> We are, uh, sometimes we're jerks, and so I'd like to, uh, to point out some other nice, some nice things and point out some other good stories on the Ohio State beat that I saw this week in my attempt to be less of a jerk. Um, so in addition to reading all our great stories, Ryan Ginn from Ohio State's uh, scout site, BSB, had a good story about Ed Warriner this week, talking to people who knew him at Kansas, and uh, Dave Briggs from the Toledo Blade talked to some bookmakers. Uh, that was a good story about... 
the Buckeyes being huge, overwhelming favorites. Ari, you like to think about betting lines sometimes. <laughs> is this a team? Is this a team that people sh- you think will want to bet on, or is it hard to bet on a team that's this much of a favorite? So when Bill laughed, it just made me seem like a degenerate. So I appreciate that, Bill. You're welcome. Um, I do not gamble in Ohio State or college football. No, 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 uh, no. I mean, we're not be, we're not joking about yeah, that, right? Of yeah. course, no. But you you are aware. You write our betting line. Yeah, no. I like watching. I, I yeah. like fantasy sports. I like the looking at spreads. I'm, I'm I'm very in tune in that world. I think it'll kind of if I could use this analogy, it would be kind of like the Miami Heat when LeBron was there and the Cavs last year. You wouldn't want to bet against them and then have to watch greatness happen against the money that you put down. So to me, I think Ohio State, historically, just based on who they play, and I think they've been very good against the spread. Um, so I think that it would be a f- it'd be more fun if I were a gambler, or if you gamble and you want to gamble on your team. Not that I'm giving you betting advice, but I would think that Ohio State would be a safe bet. Like to me, I think that the 11.5 points seems like it'd be an attractive potential you know, without crossing the line, but I just would rather bet on Ohio State's high-powered offense than bet against it and watch it run up 50 points. The thing I'm curious to see with this team this year is we did see stretches last year yeah. against Indiana, against Michigan, where this where this thing sputtered a little bit. Well, the thing that, and I, yeah. I know we've made some big predictions in our over-unders about what this, what this offense could do. I'm curious to see if and when it sputters. And that's what like what I was about to interject and say was the over-unders. Like, we're painting a very glorious picture with those, and I think that it's deserved. But at the same time, I think that this is a college football season, and every college football season has a moment where it's like, what's happening right now, or what's wrong with them, or, you know, a, a fourth quarter where it's tied, and you don't know, like that Northwestern game a few years ago in Chicago, and, you know, there's examples every year. Um, so things aren't always going to be great this year at all times without any hitch. So it'll be interesting to see how and when that happens and, and what they do to respond to it. All right, thanks to everyone for listening to our first Ohio State podcast of the season. We'll come back with this every week. Um, I don't know who's going to listen. Bill, do you think Leah will listen to this all 25 minutes? She'll like press play but turn the speakers off so that like we can feel good about her clicking on it, but no. Well, I think my mom's going to listen to can it. Can your mom operate a podcast? Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh. No. Okay. Teach your mom. <laughs> teach your mom how to operate a podcast. So she, we have one listener at least. Um, so you can read us all week, every week, every day, like 10, 12 stories a day, legitimately at cleveland.com slash OSU. Once again, thanks for joining us. For Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. Peace out, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs>